This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the southernmost point of Dorne to the lands of always winter, to what is west of west and the shadows of the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Ken Absock, and this is the podcast that takes a closer look, and a fun look, and a sometimes, yeah, a surface look at the lessons, themes, and great moments from A World of Ice and Fire, inside A World of Ice and Fire, whether it be a song, a ballad, a hymn, an ode, or HBO's Game of Thrones. We're here to talk about it. Sometimes we dabble in the news. Sometimes we just have fun asking what if. And sometimes we dig a little deeper into the whys of this world, this franchise, this fantasy land that we love to escape in time and time again. All right, my friends. We're going to get right to it. Well, actually, I'm going to tease something first. Second half of the show, we'll take a quick break in a little bit. We're going to reset and we'll come back and I got a big announcement. Well, I made mean, not so much an announcement, a, a, a confirmation of a, of a rumored announcement, a, uh, a, uh, a tease of what's in the immediate future for Castle Talk. Something we got going. All right, just listen. I'm trying to like scoop, news scoop my own show. Big announcement, fun announcement, I hope, on the other side of the break. But I want to get right to it with a great call from our friend Eric Monroe. Hey, Candy Cashley Talk. So I have, an, I have kind of an answer to uh, Mark's great question about where Jon Snow would go. And I I've came up with a theory. What if Jon would seek out Holland Reed? Um, finding him would, wouldn't be that easy because, you know, Grey Water Watch is not easy to find. It's apparently always on the move. But, you know, I'm sure when Jon all his life has heard stories of Holland Reed and his father. So maybe, you know, he would go there. But then... That raises a, a big question if that were to happen. You know, Holland Reed sees John. Would he tell him the truth about his parentage? You know, I always like the scene in season three when Jojen Reed tells uh, Bran Stark the only time he ever saw his father cry was when he found out um, that Ned had been executed. So do you think possibly John could seek out Holland Reed? Ooh, let's get into Holland Reed. You know, I get accused of being a real positive Star Wars fan. I get accused of being an overly positive Game of Thrones fan. I just look at these stories as real. They're real real events. I don't question the creators and how they did it. That's not fun for me. I want to get into the story and treat it as real and ask these great questions. However, if you want to know one big, ah, damn, they didn't do it, 
on the show. And because it hasn't really been done in the books, maybe they don't, maybe they just knew that they just, they just couldn't get to it. I, I, I just wanted Helen Reed to show up in Game of Thrones. I knew it wouldn't happen early. Uh, you start reading about Howland Reed, start learning about Howland Reed, and there's just a lot of cool things about him. But there's also a lot of mystery about him. Is he the Knight of the Laughing Tree? I think it's Lyanna Stark, but that's my theory. But you don't know. What is the true story of what happened at the turning of Harrenhal when Howland Reed was jumped by some squires, some mean, mean squires, and then the Knight of the Laughing Tree came and taught them all a lesson uh, when uh, by defeating the the squire's three knights, is is that Helen Reed? And then whoa, 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 whoa! Wait a minute, he was at the Tower of Joy, and Ned said, "Oh, all his life I would have been I would have been killed, Sir Arthur Dane." So great, sort of the morning. I mean, you have a name like that that means one, you're good at omelets; two, you got some skills. You know, he dies uh, if not for Helen Reed. That's what Ned said on the show. We got a little bit more of that. And I think that's one of those moments that could translate potentially more directly, uh, pretty directly to the books. I don't know. I just think that, you know, there's some differences, fighting style of Arthur Dane, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, but I, I could see that that kind of being the same thing. Not that George slipped a, a, them a pad of paper that said, Helen Reed stabbed Sir Arthur Dane in the back, saving Ned Stark. Maybe it's not that detail, but I see it playing out somewhat similar. Anyways, Ken, don't get distracted. Point is, what Helen Reed knows, what he saw, what he learned at the Tower of Joy, along with Ned, he's the one, legend goes, that found Ned up there with his sister, uh, took Leanna's hand from Eddard's. That's, that's some stuff. Then he kind of disappears. As they say, and I, you know, reading some you know, supplemental information from Wiki of Ice and Fire, Helen returned to the north and has not departed the swamps of the Nick since. For those who are listening, I think my one of my Star Wars posters just collapsed by itself in my studio. I'm not going to edit that out because I was on a roll about Alan Reed. I thought for a second the ghost of Hall was in my uh, studio. And I looked behind me. Nope, just a Star Wars poster frame exploding on its own. Anyways, Alan Reed. I'll read that again. Alan returned to the north and is not a part of the swamps of the neck since. And as Eric says, Mira shows up. Jojen shows up. Again, a little bit different in the books. And I, 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 If we're ever talking about those differences, I love show Mira and Jojen, and I love book Mira and Jojen, and there's some crossover, but there's a lot of different things. And the book's just going to have more, and I do enjoy uh, their um, involvement in the story, more robust, more dreams, more the visions maybe even coming from Jojen. Uh, Jojen is still alive and well. Well, maybe not well, but alive in the books. But I get I, I get what they did with them on the show, I, and 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 quite frankly, I give props to the show for introducing the reeds because that's when things started getting a little more magical, right? We know the show or the story is a little bit about the return of magic in the land and what that does, and I've talked about this factor before. But I think if you just maybe you're a casual Lord of the Rings fan, maybe you're just an HBO fan and you, you end up catching Game of Thrones and you're pulled in by the political intrigue, the fighting, maybe even sex position, and suddenly more magic starts showing up, dragons return, and you go into season two and there's a comet, and the comet means this and that, and suddenly these 
Reed's show up and Jojen, you know, he seems a little touched, right? You know, you're like, what's going on? That could put be a lot putting to people, but I thought the show handled them well. So I accept show reads, book reads, uh, and, and enjoy both versions. But yeah, I wanted Hallen to show up. I wanted him to leave the rest of his uh, Krenig men and head on down because he had all that information. And in the days of wild speculation, which I always repeat, is tremendously fun. Don't you ever stop speculating. The first ever shots, uh, posters, teaser trailers for House of the Dragon, whenever those will fall upon us, when I see that, I am going to absolutely speculate the hell out of every little frame, second, quadrant, space on the poster. I'm absolutely, absolutely going to do it. But I've, I've approached things a little bit differently. A lot of it's because it has to do with Star Wars. But I was so damn certain that Helen Reed was going to show up in the show. And it's what Maester Walken, Walken, Christopher Walken, don't do it again, don't do it again. Um, the other Maester at, at, at uh, Winterfell, gosh, when you don't watch the show uh, in a while, you forget the little names, don't you? Good thing I'm not competing in Game of Thrones trivia tonight. Uh, it's him. And I remember the trailer. I was on podcasts and shows going, that's gotta be Howlin' Reed. Howlin' Reed's the one to tell Jon Snow who he is. And I still, part of me still wishes. So I'm intrigued by this what if. For those who might not have listened last week, this what if comes out of our uh, friend uh, Mark, Mark the Maniac, over there at the Feeding the Monster podcast feed. Great what if question. One that I, I, I honestly haven't thought about before of like, all right, so John gets revenge on those who killed him at the wall, hands over the reins of the castle, Castle Black, to Dolores Ed, Dolores Ed, depending on who, what mood you're in, Ed. Uh, I remember Rachel Cushing and I have a great, a great off-air, off-air conversation about how you can read the names wrong in the books for years and the show either changes it, corrects it, and even then sometimes it's not right. John hands over uh, the castle to, to Ed, leaves, and gets held up, and we know he ends up staying there. But what if he had gone? Sansa and Brienne don't show up. Where does John go? Big what if. And I do love Eric's answer here. Potential answer and additional what if. Does John seek out Alan Reed? Would he know to seek out Alan Reed? That's what I don't know. Just dealing with the hows and the whats of this kind of interaction. Would that be something that John would feel I need to do. Does he have a question of who he is or why, or would he go? Would he go for help? Maybe, maybe it's not to get answers. Maybe he doesn't feel. At this point, does John feel? You know, there's a weird feeling in the back of my head. I might not be who I think I am. Let me go. Oh, I always heard that Howland Reed heard. Let me head down to him. I don't know if that's the case, but does he look for a place to find some... Uh, Refuge, does he look for a place to uh, hide out, get some support? I'm sure Ned probably always spoke highly of Howland Reed. He doesn't know that the Reeds, the kids, are running around with his uh, brother at this time. So I could see part of that. I could see that, and I'm excited. I'm excited by it because, and I think Eric's in the same thing to me, just Howland Reed knows everything. In fact, I love the... uh, behind-the-scenes note that was uh, from an interview back in 2003, well before 
the show was all in our laps. An article in uh, a, a Toronto publication, Torcon, saying uh, from George R. R. Martin, uh, Helen Reed will not be a point of view character in the books, in the story, because he knows too much. Oh, wow. His connections to the Starks is powerful. If the Knight of, of the Laughing Tree is Leanna Stark, like I do believe she is, saving uh, Howland a bit, and, and she kind of saved him the night before, right? So I don't think he has a love for Leanna in that kind of scandalous sense. I just think he has a love and respect for her, the Starks, by proxy, Eddard, Benjamin, the whole Stark clan, right? So it would make some... I don't know. It just makes some sense that maybe he'd be invested in some way. And then Arthur, or excuse me, that um, I'm looking at the name Arthur Day, that uh, John would want to find some uh, comfort down there. Um, but I don't know. I don't think John's in that frame of reference. I still think John's heading out, packing up, heading down. Should Helen Reed have shown up in the show, it would have been out of left field. You would have had to do some, you know, a couple lines of dialogue to connect it back for the general audience to the Reeds and have to explain. Now, let's also be, Helen Reed does show up in the show because of the Tower of Joy flashback uh, scene with Bran in the Three-Eyed Raven. So, yeah, he does show up. So can you build from that? And again, a lot of us thought, a lot of us thought. I think at the end of the day, when the show's paring down the story, as we've talked about a lot recently here, it just didn't factor in. It just didn't factor in emotionally. It wasn't necessarily needed. But man, don't I want it. It's also one of those things. And I went through it. And after a while, if you were a Game of Thrones fan that read the books before, if you're a Game of Thrones fan like me that started the show and then took a big deep dive into the books, there was always, you have to admit, there was always a little bit of pushing your glasses up over your nose going, oh, just you wait. Oh, you love Game of Thrones now? Oh, just you wait till this character shows up. And then people who hadn't read the books weren't going to read the books or whatever the reason would look at you and go, what, really? Tell me more. You'd be like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to say it. I don't really want to say it. That created a lot of false expectations, a lot of false hopes, um, things that were bungled. I, I agree a lot of the Dorn stuff didn't, uh, wasn't the best Sand Snakes, though I do enjoy the Sand Snakes on the show. I thought, uh, you know, slightly disappointed because of what I had told friends about. Oh, my God, you are going to love the Sand Snakes. And then it's a little different, and I feel let down. Mine, some of the friends I told that to were like, oh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, loved it. Were they different in the books? And I'm like, ah, well, maybe. I think that was one of the big final ones for me, Howland. I just would tell, oh, my God, Howland knows everything, and he's going to show up, and he's going to give John the knowledge. Would John have taken it from him? I don't know. Like, would, would John have, have believed him? Hey, what's up, Mr. Reed? How you doing? Haven't seen you since, like, the Stark Reed picnic uh, about 10 years ago. What's going on? Oh, well, let me, uh, let me tell you some stuff, John. Sit down. You're a Targaryen. What? Oh, yeah, I was at the Tower of Joy. No. I, would John know it? Would he feel it? Would he accept it? And then what would that do? What would he want to do with that story? That, that, that information is a big question for me. Um, but that's that's something I wanted to see. All right, I'm talking in circles about Helen Reed. He's just the best, man. He's just the best. Uh, you know, the Reeds, a little weird. A little, weird, a little weird. Rob Stark to uh, uh, Galbert Glover. My father knew the worth of Helen Reed. Love reading these quotes. 
And here's Eddard's quote again, the finest night I ever saw was Sir Arthur Dane, who fought with a blade called Dawn, forged from the heart of a fallen star. They called him the Sword of the Morning, and he would have killed me but for Howland Reed. I mean, Howland Reed's been around for a lot of, uh, a lot of important things there. It also gets me thinking, this is off uh, topic here, uh, but it does get me thinking about, thinking about the tourney of Hall. You know, we know a lot about it. We know a lot about it. But it reminds me of one of those events, and I will throw across a fandom Star Wars reference again, as I often do. You listen to Force Center, I talk about Game of Thrones. You listen to Castle Talk, I talk about Star Wars. Battle of Jakku is a relatively new battle in the terms of in Star Wars history, introduced to us all about 2014, 2015, actually, when we see the first shots of Force Awakens and, and the planet that we now know as Jakku, the Graveyard of Giants, the crashed ships from the war before, literally, the legacy of the past hanging over Rey and the new franchise, and the new movies in the franchise. But we know a lot about this battle. This battle is something that gets referenced a lot. It's in the Battlefront 2 story mode uh, with Aiden Versio. Uh, Gideon Hask, we get uh, in the aftermath series of Chuck Windick, we get a lot of stuff at the Battle of Jakku. The first real big stuff we got was Lost Stars, Claudia Gray's novel. And there's, I think, even going to be some more stuff revealed. I, I just have a hunch with some of the um, books, uh, Shadowfall, the Alphabet Squadron series, Shadowfall, the second in the series, and then uh, Squadrons, the video, video game coming up. So there's a lot of information about the Battle of Jakku to the point now with a a modern Star Wars fan uh, clued in and, and, and enjoying the Disney era, you can talk about the Battle of Jakku from a lot of... Di- oh, I love when this happened. But it's never been put into one big spot. It wouldn't be new information. I don't even know if it'd be giant new insight, but it would be just fun for me as a Star Wars fan to get something that's just about the Battle of Jakku. I would love that with the Tournament of Hall. Not necessarily a book, and could you tell a version on the screen that is more connected with the show universe, but still just dives deep into uh, the book universe, those connections? Because as, as separate as those two properties really are, when you really break it down, I absolutely agree. The books, the books and what you know about the books does flow into the shows pretty well, and it does help your experience. As much as I'm pushing up my glasses and therefore being disappointed about Helen Reed not showing up in the show. I still love that. I know Helen Reed and I still love that. I know that even in the show, he's part of that world. Even if he didn't show up to tell John all the information. When it comes to the tournament at Heron Hall, there's so much, and it's so central to the story of game of Thrones, song of ice and fire. I just, um, you know, I, I really do, uh, love the idea. It won't happen. I love the idea of a one-off, two-hour movie. HBO Max, come on, you need content. Come on, HBO Max, you'll get subscriptions if you just do Game of Thrones, the Tournament of Herodal. Well, all right, maybe come up with something more flashy than that there. But include all of it. Include all of it. The Winter Roses, Rhaegar, Lyanna, Night of the Laughing Tree, all the intrigue going on, Barristan Selmy, doesn't matter. Give, it, give me all of it. Put it down into one big story. Again, new insights? Yeah, there might be some. You might get some perspectives, some more deep story detail. But uh, overall, I get the feel of it. Any new big details? Maybe. Do you reveal the Night of the Laughing Tree? I actually hope it wouldn't. I actually hope that this, the, that kind of show would just not deal with it. I enjoy that. I have a, I have a Night of the Laughing Tree shirt, friends. All right? 
push my glasses up higher up my nose. It's Leanna Stark. That's my theory. But anyways, it's not going to happen. No hashtag will make it happen. It's just not. But I, I, I again, don't want to get my expectations up. Thank you for the call, Eric. You sent my mind into a lot of different spots. I apologize. You just sent it into a lot of different spots. I love Howlin' Reed. I don't know if John would have gone down to him. I still think John was pouting a little bit and heading off. I mean, with good, I mean, I would have left too. They killed me. I'm out of here. But I think it was a little bit of emotional John on the run, and I don't think he had a plan. But I just, Eric, I know you're like me. Number one, we love Stannis, the one true king. Two, Howlin' Reed, just, just, there's a lot of juicy stuff there. If old little Howlin' could come on down. The theory, oh my God, the theory that Howlin' Reed was uh, like the high sparrow, something I could get behind, too. I was, I would go down that path. That's how much I just love the character of Howlin' Reed. I love the potential of what Howlin' Reed could be. All right, we're going to take a quick break, my friends. And then on the other side, we are going to tell you about some stuff coming down the pipeline here at Casterly Talk. Hey, it's Alden Diaz here to tell you about Octo Radio. It's an interview show that I do exploring the different passionate Star Wars perspectives from artists, writers, crafters, and even other podcasters, plus even some people straight from Lucasfilm. So you can come hang out on my podcast island and celebrate the Star Wars ties that bind us together. Oh yeah, what the pork said. You can follow us everywhere on social at A-H-C-H-T-O Radio. That's Octo Radio and follow me at A-D underscore Strider. What's going on, guys? I'm Alex. And I'm Steve. And this is Black Series Rebels. And we're going to be performing live August 16th at the Flappers Comedy Club in their virtual main room. And tickets are only $15. And this is an amazing way to support comedy clubs like Flappers that rely heavily on live events during this hellscape of a pandemic. Steve, if the people want to get tickets at home, what should they do? All they got to do is go to www.flapperscomedy.com. That's www.flapperscomedy.com. And if they want discount tickets, all they got to do is follow us on social media at BLK Series Rebels. It's time, baseball fans. The new podcast feed, Box Score Heroes, has arrived. This is the new home of the show Behind the Bag with Ken Napsok and Tom Dagnino. And is also the place to find shows like The Legends of the Wax Packs, the only baseball power rankings you need, and My Favorite Baseball, a nostalgic look back at the game we all love, and more. Find the podcast feed on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever podcasts are found. Box Score Heroes is your podcast home for everyone with a passion for all things baseball. And we're back here at Castle Talk. It's me, Ken Napson. And I always want to be clear. This podcast feed, 
was named by the great Lon Harris. It's his name. Uh, Lon, Rachel Cushing, Andres Cabrera, Thomas Rizzling. Are people I consider regular contributors in parts of the show? This is just uh, my podcast and my podcast feed. And due to the pandemic, lockdown, change of recording schedules, a lack of, uh, let's say, less capital on my end to uh, compensate those who come on to my show as a guest or a co-host, uh, it's just been me for a while here. And that's why your calls are really important through the Anchor app. Uh, any comments, any tweets you want to send my way. But the calls are the best. I love hearing your voices. And uh, I appreciate you all sticking with Casterly Talk. We've actually had some uh, decent numbers, small, humble numbers, but decent podcast download numbers during a, a period of time where Game of Thrones, Song of Ice and Fire, whatever it is, just kind of not in the limelight. That book's going to come out. We're going to dive in. That'll be fun. Uh, but because of that, all of that, I did, we talked about it. I've talked about it a lot. Just as a fan, as a fan of the show, I've been wanting to finally go, all right, the series is behind me about a year now, and... I really want to just go back to it. And I also feel I've had a lot of fun in the last four or five months really starting to look at Game of Thrones a little bit more from the perspective of a fan wanting to learn more about the themes and the lessons and the moments that moved me. Beyond just cool show, great moment, great character, but just like that affected me, that carries with me, and I felt I learned from it. I felt I was challenged by it. And how does it all work now that the show's behind behind us? Because that, for me, I love the books. I uh, The books can sometimes be overwhelming if you're trying to dig into them. I think George has those themes in his series. George is a good writer. He's a student of the game. So his writing's going to have big lessons, big moral tales, themes. It's all those uh, all those kind of things. It's, it's going to be in there. But also, I think he loves to uh, deal with the hows and the whats and the theories and the stories and the moving pieces. And, and that's one of the reasons we love it. I very much watched Game of Thrones first from the, how did that happen? What does that mean? But as you all know, I just love the why. I'm more moved by the why. Star Wars is my thing, my number one thing. And it moves me because I'm connected to the why. So when a character does something that might seem weird, that might seem from a filmmaking point of view to not make perfect sense, from a screenwriting point of view, might not be the best tactic. I wouldn't teach it in a screenwriting class. By the way, I don't think you need to attend screenwriting class as someone who has been to screenwriting class, uh, studied in college. Um, I, I'm less caught up on that as that that kind of stuff being a plot hole, a plot point, point problem, a uh, uh, something to criticize as, as a reviewer, which, by the way, is a, is, a, is a fine industry. And these properties should be and, and can be and clearly are reviewed from that perspective. There's a lot of things about season six, seven, eight, or season four, five, six, seven, eight, season one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, that should be held up to a critical point of view, a critical eye, and maybe be at times even torn apart. It's not me. It's not why I'm here. I didn't watch Game of Thrones and be like, oh, cool show. I watched it and said, what a world. And I got pulled in. And I love the theories. I love the characters. I love Howland Reed and what he might mean. But I found myself more and more and more being moved by the show. And that's why it has staying power with me. This podcast has continued to go on even after I thought maybe we just don't need it anymore. And you guys, a lot of you have chimed up and chimed in and said, no. I enjoy it. I enjoy keep keeping the discussion going and looking back specifically into the show. 
it reached a general audience and was giant for a reason. And there's always going to be those things on the surface. Walking Dead, Lost, Sopranos, Breaking Bad. These are wonderful shows, high-quality content that the general public loves. They have staying power, I believe, or at times maybe don't have staying power based on what they teach us. That's, what we, that's why we tell these stories. And you might be moved more by something else. You might have moved off the show because it just wasn't hitting you on that level. And that's fine. I always talk about the MCU. I, I did not grow up reading those kind of comic books. Read more of the toy books, Transformers, G.I. Joe, Robotech, well, my all-time favorite. I read those comics. I didn't read Iron Man, Superman, Wonder Woman, Hulk, Marvel, DC, Image. I didn't read them. I just didn't read them. So I'm not pulled in by the MCU. But I've never had a bad experience watching an MCU movie. I quite enjoy them. They're well made. Good performers. A lot of fun put into them. A lot of heart. And there is big lessons. They're there. So you might connect them more to the MCU. I just don't. But I, do, I definitely think the lessons are there. That's me with Game of Thrones, the show, specifically the show. I am moved by how it shapes me. I'm moved by the lessons. I talk often about Stannis Baratheon, right? Yeah, I do love him. But also, he is hard to root for because he should be hard to root for. There's a lesson in it for me and for many people. Brienne of Tarth for others, Arya Stark, Jon Snow. There are lessons there. These are these modern myths. So, happy to announce that it's time. It's time to start going back into the series and doing the big rewatch. And that's what we're going to do here at Casually Talk starting in September. I do believe, let me get up that handy-dandy calendar. I do believe the first Friday, we always try to release Casually Talk uh, sometime on Friday, depending on my weekly recording schedule. Uh, Yes, so look, September 4th. September 4th is when I'm planning to launch uh, the first episode in The Great Rewatch. Now... Friend of the show, host of Octo Radio, and a frequent uh, caller, and I'm sure future guest here in Castle Talk, Alden Diaz. He posted in my Discord server, which is connected to my Patreon page. He said, you know, I forget, if I'm paraphrasing. There was a great, but he just kind of slightly was like, you know, this could be called Rewatchers on the Wall. I laughed. I thought that was funny. But I thought to myself, surely, don't call me Shirley, surely, that name's probably already taken, right? And in fact, even as I'm recording this, I'm going to do another legal sweep, all right? Maybe it will pop up. There's the Rewatchers. I know that's the that's that's uh, that's a podcast series. I own. I know them. The Rewatchers. Rewatchers. Now, rewatching. On the, no, that's a song. No, wow. I'm doing a check. So quick note, by the way, I, you know, I've worked for some bigger YouTube channels, uh, Screen Junkies, um, uh, Collider, everything. You know, Screen Junkies, you had a lawyer, many lawyers on, on staff, but you had a lawyer, in a, in, in-house lawyer. And you couldn't come up with a title of a show unless you had like 10 options and they would then legally clear them, right? It's just the name of the game. We don't want anyone run, no, no one suing us for a title, no one, none of that. And that's why often you'd get some, Name that was simple, direct, maybe not too much imagination into it. Sold the show in the title. Lon Harris's casterly talk was never going to be accepted as uh, what became Watch and Thrones. Totally get it. So I'm doing that too. But uh, that's a 
bore you with those details of what it's like to work at a big YouTube channel as a producer. But uh, I did a check. Rewatchers on the wall is there. We're not going to rebrand the network, but the episodes will be Casterly Talk presents the Rewatchers on the wall. And until I find a reason to change it, uh, I'll, I'll cook up a little graphic. Uh, I'll maybe uh, see if anyone on the Patreon page wants to help me with that compensation your way, of course, as always. But I think we'll do that. And starting September 4th, we will go episode by episode. So this is going to be a project that goes a while. Um, I don't want to be it. I don't want it to be any more than that. Over in Force Center, we're having a great time rewatching Clone Wars arc by arc. So sometimes it's two or three episodes. Sometimes it's one episode. Sometimes it might even be five. We're having fun just small chunks. And that's what I want to do here. Starting from episode one, going away all the way up to what? Episode 72, 73, the numbers, right? This is a long, we'll be, we'll be into 2021 with this, my friends. That's what I want to do starting September 4th. Episode by episode, I have a little format to review it. It'll be the same every week. And I want you all to join along. Have homework for that week. That way it's not daunting. Yeah, and, and Game of Thrones is a bingeable show. And look, I might even watch an episode and then just keep going, but I'm only going to review or discuss, get into one episode per, per episode. By the way, we'll still leave room should Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon news drop, anything else we want to talk about, your questions, your what-ifs, still send them. Still put them in. That's still going to be part of the show. Maybe one point I do some supplemental shows. Who knows about that? I have enough shows in the world. I don't need to create more. But I don't want that part of Castle Talk to go away. But I want you all out there to join me on a rewatch. And if you're already in the middle of your rewatch, I'm sorry. I apologize. But what's better than being in the middle of rewatch? Getting to start it all over again and watch it all again, right? I'm not saying you have homework assignments, but you can join along beginning that week. Episode one, the pilot, the pilot will go into it. We will talk about the themes, potential lessons, important foreshadowing. Well, we will have fun with that. Uh, things with more meaning now, which I have covered at times here on the show. But those little moments that, uh, oh, God, Catelyn and Ed said, Ned said goodbye for the last time. Oh, that breaks our heart. Favorite moments, lines and scenes for sure. Favorite little moments, star of the episode. If you have any calls, you want in, we'll, we'll go into it. But the big thing is those lessons, those themes, those moments. What connects us to these individual episodes, these individual characters, and just this world? And how you can take it with you. I joke because I talk about Star Wars a lot here, you know, and, ta and talking about Game of Thrones. It's like that moment in Star Wars. Over on Game uh, Force Center, I talk about Game of Thrones. I talk about pro wrestling or sports. I think we all do that. When things affect you on that level and you learn from them and you're challenged by them, you're naturally going to go to them in your mind when you're talking about things. So that is the big announcement. The rewatchers on the wall are about to form up. First episode starting September 4th. If I'm feeling saucy, we might run StreamYard, record them, and put them up on YouTube. I just got to be, we, we, have a lot, we have a lot of episodes of Castle Talk, Talk up on my YouTube channel. I'll be plainly, bluntly, bl plainly obvious with y'all here. I don't like having Game of Thrones content up on YouTube because there's a tension to it that I've just grown tired of where I have to go check my comments 
every day and clear all the ones that are like, you suck. Season eight sucks. You suck too for like it. Season eight dummy. Thanks dad. But, uh, we might move past that. I think it would be fun to see our shining faces. Uh, and also that's thing. Uh, I, I hope to have, um, as the show grows on and I can, uh, compensate, make sure I, I can compensate my guests. Uh, I will have a lot of folks on. I can guarantee you Alden Diaz is going to make the jump to, to, to talking a lot about these episodes. Just for giving me that title alone. Right. That seems fair. Thomas Risling, Rachel Cushing, Lon Harris, Andres Cabrera, other folks. You know, I'd love to talk Game of Thrones some more with Michelle Boyd. And maybe I can coax Tiffany Smith to come on the show. Don't don't tweet her. Don't make any promises. Um, definitely uh, my partner in crime here at the house, Grace Hancock. Big Game of Thrones fan. And she's excited to start rewatching Game of Thrones. Definitely going to pull her on too as well. And maybe even our chihuahuas. Ratsy and Baxter have a lot to say about HBO's Game of Thrones. So that's coming. That's coming soon. Get ready. Get ready. Let me know what you think about that. As always, we like to have a quote of the week. So now that will be a quote of the show. Uh, each episode, we'll pull, we'll pull, uh, we'll pull one up. Right? That's what we should do. Uh, if I will even make sure I put that on my notes so I don't forget that. Yep. There you go. Type, type, type. Today's quote of the week. We are going to. Uh, we are going to Clash of Kings. Actually, we are going into the books. For this quote, and this is from A Clash of Kings, chapter 42, Davos 2. It's actually an exchange more than a quote. Davos Seaworth, the Onion Knight, says, It seems to me that most men are gray. To which Melisandre responds, If half of an onion is black with rot, it is a rotten onion. A man is good, or he is evil. Hot damn, that's actually become one of my favorite quotes, exchanges, and moments. And I do believe, right, translates pretty directly to the show. I seem to remember uh, Chris Van Houten saying that, right? But again, that's why we're going to rewatch. So all those little details that are starting to slip from my mind because it's been a while, we're going to go through those again. But anyways, to this moment, we are definitely, as a fandom, interested in Game of Thrones because of those gray areas. That's a term you hear a lot, people love. It's been around for years, yes. It's been around for all our lives. But gray area, we love that. I I don't know. I'm no scientist. I'm not a historian. I blame Christopher Nolan. I love the Dark Knight series. That's, that's I'm not a huge uh, comic book superhero movie guy, but I love the Dark Knight series. Why? Well, it was dark and gritty. We all became obsessed with that. The gray areas. And Batman just has always been literally in a gray area of the world, right? In a gray area emotionally, morally. That's part of the point. Which, again, makes him so good. Game of Thrones is often described as, well, a good show because, uh, you know, a good story, a good book series. It, uh, you know, let me put my gla- push my glasses up, uh, Helen Reed. Uh, you know, it is a- about the complicated gray areas of these characters. And it's true because I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'll say it again. But I'm fascinated with this take. Fascinated. In Star Wars on Force Center, Joseph Scrimshaw and myself, Jennifer landed too. Um, she's still out on maternity leave, but I think she thinks this as well. We don't believe in gray Jedi. Pe- people have become obsessed with this term. Gray Jedi. A Jedi that's a little, little, little bit uh, sugar, a little bit spice. Doesn't exist. 
it goes against everything that Lucas put into Star Wars. It goes against the core of Star Wars. It does not mean these characters are not realistic or complicated and have confusing thoughts or mistakes that they make or some blurring of their morals from time to time. But once you go to the dark side, forever will dominate your destiny. There's no concept uh, of necessary rage. You don't get to go evil to go a little good. In Game of Thrones, which is played very realistically, it's a modern myth for sure, but it's in a realistic way. Star Wars is, I think at times, but Star Wars is intentionally an older style. Not just a Flash Gordon serial, but it has a little bit of a distance to it in terms of it connecting to our real world. The themes, the lessons, the characters, the moments, yes, but the dialogue, that's why sometimes some of the dialogue, if you hear Poe Dameron say big-ass door, you might be like, ooh, that's too real world for me. Game of Thrones, despite being Westeros, despite no one saying big-ass door in Game of Thrones, well, definitely some swear words, it is played as real, it's taken as real, and it, it affects us on a real level. So those gray areas are very real and very, very valid. But at the end of the day, I agree with Melisandre. This is a myth, a tale, a fantasy. And I think when you're talking about lessons, what to learn from this series, there's a lot of power in this. Melisandre, who herself? Is she a rotten onion? Probably doesn't think so. Again, has moments of doubt, moments of dancing on both sides. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the character of Melisandre, to me, is there for a bigger fight there for a bigger purpose, knows her place in the story, and sacrifices herself not for those who would do evil, but for those who would defend the good. That's why I love the ending of her character on the show. It is beautiful, it is haunting, it is powerful to me. And I think it would be in a line with this. If Melisandre's going away, again, she got Stannis to kill his daughter. She lost herself. She lost herself. She lost her skills. She lost her faith in herself. She lost a lot of things. She's done bad. But she knows you don't get to wade in the pool of both. You must swim to one side. Can you go evil and come back good? Yeah, Star Wars is about redemption. Game of Thrones has great redemption moments. There's fine lines. Follow me on the threads. But I think Melisandre believes this, and I think at the end of the day, that is why she says, am I a rotten onion? No. I will die. What I believe is good. I think Davos has that too. It's why his relationship with Stannis is sometimes complicated and strained. It's why he might have been a smuggler, not a pirate. But he was always good and remained good. Even when life threw horrible circumstances his way, even when he was slopping up a big bowl of brown, he was good. He is right that most men, men being a general term, humans, beans, women, men, and all those that fall under these categories, Davos knows there are times when you don't see the right path ahead. There are times when you dabble in the dark and so he can get confused and stop there. And that's the thing. Davos stopped there in this exchange. Melisandre follows it out to the end. 
And I think as we go back to watch Game of Thrones, the series, and we start to dive into the themes and the lessons and those moments that move us, a show that is built very much on the complicated gray areas. Do you want to boo Cersei or do you want to cheer for her? We're going to find out who was chosen to remain rotten or to cut the rot away. I think that's going to be part of the fun. And we'll see. There's never any easy answers. Often not any easy answers in Game of Thrones. But we're going to have fun asking those questions. You all the best. Thank you for the continued support. Let's keep this show going as we race towards House of the Dragon 10 years from now. (laughs) I'm hopeful that they can get some kind of production going. But it's hard to shoot right now. We know that. Wear a mask. Let's wrap this up as quick as we can. The rewatch begins September 4th. Thank you, my friends. You want to follow me? Go to Ken Napsack or go to KenNapsack.com. At Ken Napsack. Instagram, Twitter. Like my Facebook page. I mean, who's doing that? Go to the website. You can pick up my book, Why We Love Star Wars, if you'd like. You want to support me? You go to Patreon.com slash Ken That support directly fuels this show and future episodes and future contributors and guests. Or what I always say is the best way to support me. If you like any of my ramblings and microphones, just tell a friend. Share a uh, podcast tweet. Give it a like. Give us a review. Go to iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever they're calling it these days. Tell the world, this show's all right. That's the kind of support that goes a long way. Thank you, my friends. So until Howlin' Reed shows up, I'll see you next time. Bye.